Didn't think I'd be packing one of these, would you? I got tools, and some of you who know me think, what in the world? Aaron doesn't know how to use half that stuff he's wearing on him. Something Patrick said is, you guys were taking up the offering. Worship has a lot to do, not just with the segment of time that we spend inside these four walls. Worship has everything to do with the way that we live our lives every day, every moment, all the time. Some of you don't consider this maybe a holy outfit to wear in front of people preaching. But there should be those of you who wear this sort of garb and outfit every day of your life, and you should be preaching all the same. With a hard hat, a tool belt on, a pair of work boots, a tape measure, a screwdriver. Some of you walk around with a laptop bag, and that's your deal. Some of you carry stethoscopes and things of that nature. Some of you walk around in, in, in your normal things. Some of you have a, a store clerk's outfit on. Some of you come home daily with grease under your fingernails and, and stuff all over the front of you, and, light, and, and all of that should take place for the glory of God. Unfortunately, some of you sit behind desks all day, work on a computer. Some of you answer phones and do all sorts of different things. Some of you have a calling to be a stay-at-home mom and a housewife. But all of that done with the right heart and the right attitude is glory and worship unto our God. All of that is. Some of you minister to sick and, 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 and hurting people. Some of you sit, spend time counseling. Some of you write purchase orders. Some of you exchange money for people in the form of cash and change for products. And all of that is holy if it's done by a person who walks in the power and the strength of the Holy Spirit. And they give themselves to God on a daily basis. We're going to talk about working for a living in the next few weeks. And uh, I want to encourage you. Psalm 9017 says this. We're not going to go there. I'm just going to read it to you real quickly. May the Lord, may the favor of the Lord our God rest upon us. Now listen to this next line. And establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, the, the psalmist writes, establish the work of our hands. Some of you feel like the lyrics of that song, working for a living. I hadn't heard that song for a long time, and as I was studying, uh, like late last week, it's, uh, those lyrics come come flopping into my mind. And some of you, your, your day maybe goes something like this: I'm not complaining because I really need the work. Hitting up my body, my buddy's got me feeling like a jerk. Hundred dollar car note, two hundred rent. I get a check on Friday, but it's already spent. How many of you are there right now? <laughs> And already before Monday even gets here, the joy and the peace of God is zapped from your life because you're thinking, man, paychecks Thursday, Friday, whatever, and I don't even know if I'm going to be able to get there. If you're working for a paycheck, you're working for the wrong reason. If the only reason you show up where you show up is just so you can get money, you're going to be sad, sorry, and dissatisfied. You... Our work is to contribute to our lives, not sap the life out of our lives. 
The scriptures tell us it's a blessing to work. One of the first things God gave Adam was a job. That was before the curse, y'all. He looked at Adam and said, here's the garden. Tend it. Keep it. Protect it. He gave him work to do right off the bat. And then he looked at Eve when she was born, and he, he real or when she was born, she wasn't born, was she? Ooh, that's scary. Whoa! When she was formed and created, she looked at Eve and said, "There's a lot of work to be done around here. Adam needs help. Get to it." Are you hearing me? So. Work is to be something that contributes to our life, doesn't detract or distract from it. But some of you probably go through a day about like this. Time to make the donuts. The donuts. It isn't easy owning a Dunkin' Donuts. Time to make the donuts. Because unlike most supermarkets, we make our donuts fresh day and night. The guys who make supermarket donuts are still in bed. Plain donuts aren't enough. Five kinds. Of course, when you make donuts this good, there is one reward. They taste so great. Morning, folks. People buy an awful lot of them. Some of you have mornings like that. Whatever you do, as your feet hit the bed, you're like, or hit the floor out of the bed, you go, "Oh, here we go, got to do it again today." And uh, you know, the funny part about it was, he was just very not happy about what he was doing until he had to perform. And he turns around, and there's the people, and okay, everything's good and great, but really on the inside, there wasn't a whole lot going on. You guys relate to the Dunkin' Donuts guy, don't you? All of us have been in places in the mornings where we dread getting up doing what we have to do. We dread getting, in, getting on with what, what has to happen in the day. We get, in, we get into that mode. But you know what Jesus promised us? John 10.10, 10, Jesus says, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. But he says this, I have come that you may have what? Life. And what kind of life did he promise us? It is not God's desire or his design that every morning you wake up, you wake up, dreading what's going to happen. It is not his plan or his purpose that you wake up unfulfilled and unsatisfied. It is not his plan or his desire that you look at life as if it's, and I didn't even think about this, we prayed about this this morning, I wasn't even going to say these words, these aren't in my notes, but some of you look at life as if it's partly cloudy rather than partly sunny. You look at it as if the cup is half empty instead of being half full. You have a hard time registering and looking at things in the right perspective because you think your life is nothing. It's me. I just do this day after this is all that I do. It's not that important. It's not that significant. But listen, God has something greater for you. He has something more powerful for you. He has something he wants to do. The next few weeks, we're going to talk about some things. One thing I need to tell you, next week I'm not going to be standing in some sort of a crazy outfit. I promise. I don't think I will. Next week, Philip Cameron will be here. So uh, come, be excited, come with your expectation up and your desire to, 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 to hear from the Lord and that kind of thing. Philip, and I, and I understand, he's driving a big RV this way and bringing some girls from Moldova with him. So it'll be a good, good week next week, okay? He's a man that's walking in his calling, which is what we're going to talk about today. Over the next few weeks after that, though, we're going to be, today and the next couple of weeks, we'll be talking about some things that will make your work life significant, it will cause life not to be in this, to be dischanted, but to be more satisfying and more fulfilling. And so, uh, I want you to be ready for that. I, uh, several years ago, I bought a, a, 
a box set of books when I worked at Praises, and it caught my eye, and um, I thought, man, that's really powerful. And I grabbed it, and I read through them real quick. There were four of them in this set. It's called the Life at Work series. And the gentlemen who wrote these, these books are, are business guys, Christian businessmen who wanted to encourage people their work life was significant. Matter of fact, the subtitle is here says, Discovering the Difference a Godly Man Makes in His Life at Work. And, and, man, it just really ministered to me. And I remember over the course of the last few years, I've had people come across uh, my life. My dad's not here, so I'll tell on him. Yeah, I'd tell him if he was here. He knows that anyway. <laughs> Several years ago, he was really having a difficult time working. He works at, he works at the mill there at Glattfelder, and he was really, man, I, every time we'd talk, man, he'd just be discouraged and messed up and, and just tore up about how things were going and what was happening and and, and he was just, just, there's no joy, no peace. And, you know, and I, I remember saying to him one day, I said, God, Dad, do you, do you think, do you believe that the Lord has you where he has you because he wants you there? And he, he said, well, and in the middle of that discouragement and that frustration of how work was, I, I guess so. And so I put these books in my dad's hands. I said, here, you need to read these. He said, okay. You know what? There have been times where he's expressed frustration about his work and stuff. But since he's read these books, he has a whole other perspective about what life is all about. He has a whole other um, thought about what his purpose is and what he's doing and why he is where he is. And he, he, gets through, he has some frustrating times at times where things are just, you know, work just gets to you at times. But now it's not that ongoing day after day drudgery that he used to have to walk through. And so uh, he, we, we were all learning to walk together. So I hope to help the rest of you follow, follow through there. The, the next few messages, much of the material we're going to talk about next week are found in these books. And so if you want to go look up Billy or somebody and try and get them ordered something, feel free. That'd be great. Go to Praises, and I bet they can order them up for you. I don't even know if they're still in print. I have no idea. Like I said, I bought them probably 12 or 13 years ago probably. Um, the next, the next few messages, we're going to talk about character, we're going to talk about serving, we're going to talk about skill and how they play in to your life at work. And the Scripture tells us whatever we find in our hands to do, whatever we find to do, do it heartily as unto the Lord. That's what makes our work experience a worship experience. But here's something that you need to know. You, you have a purpose in doing what you do. Our text for the next several weeks is a really brief, not even a, not even a whole verse, just a piece of a verse in Acts. It's a really powerful, strong verse, and we're just going to read it together. Acts 13, 36. You put that up there for me, Thomas. For after David had done the will of God in his generation, in his own generation, listen to these words, he died and was buried with his ancestors. It was not until David had fulfilled the purpose God had for him that he was allowed to rest. And I want to tell you something right now. All of you have a purpose. All of you have a significant thing to contribute to the kingdom of God, to the community around you, to your family, to the neighbors that live around you. All of you have some purpose to fulfill, and hopefully you'll not try to rest until you fulfill that thing. David's purpose, David's purpose was to do the will of God. You know what's funny about it? We make David this real spiritual guy, but you know what his job description was? It was secular. He was a king. He was not a priest. He was not, he wrote psalms and things like that. But in our way of thinking, 
because we try and compartmentalize our life, David's job was not spiritual. It was secular. He had to fulfill a role in government. That's what he did. But you know what? Because we know that, that that's not completely true. All of our life is spiritual. Everything about our life, every decision we make is spiritual. So you know what? Whatever you're doing, no matter how menial you think it might be, no matter how frustrating it can become, no matter how just kind of like, you know, just so-so it is, it is spiritual and it is worshiped, not unlike King David. So we can talk ourselves into thinking that we're insignificant, that our life and our job does not matter, and that our, that our, that our, that our things are meaningless. And some of you may be sitting here and going, you know, well, Aaron, I stopped working a long time ago. You know what? That does not mean your work is accomplished. You may not go to work 40 hours a week, and you may not do something that requires you to receive a paycheck, but the Lord has something of work of a work nature, something for you to fulfill that he's not quite done with you yet. And it may be something as simple as going to the Walmart and pushing carts out in front of people so they can walk in the door. And if you offer them a smile and a handshake and the joy of the Lord, you've hit the right nail on the head. And maybe, just maybe, somebody's going to get something they wouldn't get from somebody else. How many of you guys have seen the Liberty Tax person? I was going to say lady, but he's not a lady most of the time. He's dressed like Lady Liberty, but he's not. He, I met, I met the, the, the one guy, who, the guy who's always dancing. You know him? You know what I'm talking about? Down there in front of praises. Last I knew of him, I preached at Salem Community Church last March, and he was there. He attends there. He's a, he's a member of Salem Community Church. And he says, check, check this out. So you think, dude, that's a, I don't know if I could ever do that job. I don't know. He believes honestly God put him there. And the reason he dances is because he's hoping that when somebody's driving down the road and they're having a rough day, that they'll see him and suddenly joy. He's had people pull into the parking lot and tell him, thank you, I needed that. And he does it as an offering unto the Lord. How cool is that? And you think your, your job could be menial. How would you like to wear that outfit every day, be out in front of everybody, driving down the road? Huh? God has a plan, a purpose for you. He has something for you to fulfill. Maybe you're dissatisfied. Maybe you're unhappy. But you know what? God can change all of that. You know, we make some, we, I want to say this, work is not a curse. Some of you are like the Dunkin' Donuts, dude. Wake up in the morning already cursing the day before it gets started. Work is not, is it hot in here? i got like too many layers of clothes on or something. Work is, and I'm out of shape. Work is not a curse. Work is not a curse. Work is a blessing. To have something to do and something to fulfill. Something to accomplish. Maybe your work is just merely creating meals for your family every day, and that's how you look at it. If that's the only way you look at it, man, you're missing it. Or woman, I guess, maybe too. I don't know. I know families where the guy's really the cook, so that could be a guy thing for real. The only thing people are getting in my house if I'm cooking is either breakfast food or stumping off the grill. That's it. Which I, don't, I, don't, I don't mind about. I don't mind doing that. But Work is not a curse. Here are some things. Here are some common traps that make work a curse. When we allow work to consume us, that makes, that makes work a curse. 
when we can't sleep at night because of things that are going on at work, when we get, when we get all ate up because numbers aren't right and things are wrong and we're frustrated, and we're, that makes work a curse. Work is not to consume you. Work is to be a part of your function. It's supposed to be just a part of your life, not the whole thing. There are other things more important than work, believe it or not. Gentlemen, most have to speak to you guys about this. There are more important things than work sometimes. There are children and grandchildren, spouses and things of that nature, friends. God intends for you not to get so able with work that you forget those kinds of things. And allowing them to consume you will cause work to become a curse. Allowing work to consume you will, 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 will distract from you. Allowing work to identify you. It's infamous when guys walk in a room and they meet for the first time. Hey, my name's Aaron. What's your name? Next question is, what do you do? We're not worried about whether he's got a person of character. We're not worried about whether we want to know what kind of skill he's got and how he, that, that, that should not, we should not, that shouldn't even enter the equation, man. We should be trying to find out who the person really is, what's in their heart. But the first thing we want to do is, dude, what do you do? What do you do? Is that true? Am I telling the truth? Huh? Work should not identify me. Work, I, I, work should not make me who I am. I get to do what I do because I am who I am. We'll talk about character next time. Really what that means. But also, allowing work to isolate us. What do I mean by that? I mean, when you're using work not to come home, when you're using work not to get close to people, when your excuse every time somebody invites you to go do something is, dude, i got to work, I'm sorry, I just can't do that. When you're using work not to get involved in ministry, when you're using work not to do, do certain, when you're using the excuse, and, it's just, and you know, and you, I'm, I'm, listen, some of you have legitimate needs, we're scheduled and stuff, I'm, I'm not down on that, but you know some of us, we just use that for an excuse whenever anything comes, oh, I, I, can't, I, I can't do that, I'm, I, I have to work. You understand what I'm saying? When we use that, that's, that, 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 that causes work to be a curse, but work gives us meaning if we use it correctly. Meaning and the purpose of meaning, meaning makes life enjoyable. It makes work a joy. If you do, Ecclesiastes 3, I'm going to start reading at verse 9. Listen to these words. What do people really get for all their hard work, Solomon writes? I have seen the burden God has placed on us all. Now listen to these words. Yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He's made the guy digging ditches along the side of the road for ODOT a beautiful thing. It's beautiful to him when it's done in a heart of worship. Everything's beautiful in its own time. It's beautiful for a godly person to stand behind a cash register and, and, and ring things up and be a, be a blessing. It's beautiful for a Christian, a person who's serving Christ with all their heart, to give it all they've got. When they're mopping floors and scrubbing rugs and doing things like that, they're doing it with all that they have. It's a beautiful thing. It's awesome. Everything's beautiful in its own time. Listen to these next words. He has planted eternity in the heart of every human heart. You know what that means? You've got to see your work description from a heavenly perspective, from an eternal perspective. It, there's something eternally significant happening as you go about your day, as you go about your life. There's something going on. He said, 
But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's word from beginning to end. We only see a part. So I conclude there is nothing better. Listen to what Solomon says. There is nothing better than to be happy and enjoy ourselves as long as we can. And people should eat and drink, get through everyday life, and enjoy the fruits of their labor, for these are the gift of God. Work is not a curse. You know what? But there is a pro- this promise is only for people who will follow hard after God. Ecclesiastes 2.24. So I, des- I decided there is nothing better than to enjoy food and drink and to find satisfaction in work. Then I realized that these pleasures are from the hand of God. For who can eat or enjoy anything apart from Him? God gives wisdom and knowledge and joy to those who please Him. Now listen to this. But if a sinner becomes wealthy, God takes the wealth away and gives it to those who please Him. This too is meaningless in chasing after the wind. This, this, this promise of fulfillment and satisfaction is reserved for those who understand the meaning behind their work and understand their work is, is, is offering and, and purposeful by God. Do you get that? Your work is to be that. Ecclesiastes 5.18, even so I have noticed one thing at least that is good. It is good for people to eat and drink and enjoy their work under the sun during the short life God has given them and accept their lot in life. And it is a good thing to receive wealth from God and the good health to enjoy it. To enjoy your work and accept your lot in life, this indeed is a gift from God. God keeps such people so busy enjoying life that they take no time to brood over the past. That's powerful. I think I should read that again. Do you think I should read that again? God keeps such people so busy enjoying life that they take no time to brood over the past. Wow. There's a bright future ahead of you, but unless you walk in it, it ain't never going to happen. Unless you see every day as a link in that chain to get you where God wants you to go, to be what God wants you to be, you're never going to experience it. Wow. Let's talk about what calling is. I love this definition of calling. Because here we, we think of calling. We think of calling as something reserved for people who only work in ministry all the time. I'm called to be a missionary. I'm called to be a pastor. I'm called to be an evangelist. And we start thinking about calling, we think that's what it's all about. But you know what? Every one of you sitting right here in this room right now has a calling. And you may never fulfill a full-time role of ministry ever in your entire life, but that, that does in no way demean or diminish the calling God has on your life. I've heard people say things like, man, if I could just work for the church, man, everything would be great. No, the same problems you're dealing with right now will follow you wherever you go. It's true. I, you know what? I, before, before I was able to, to, to serve the Lord in a full-time vocation like this, people would look at me and ask me questions. Aaron, things are bad around here. How do you, how do you sustain you know being happy and all the time and I said listen I've realized one thing this job that I have right now is not the end for me God's got better plans but right now this is the blessing God has for me and I wasn't trying to be cocky or confident and this place is blessed because I get to work here and his favor follows me and so I understand I'm here for a significant purpose and so I'm just going to walk it out where however it however it goes whatever happens and that was 
There were days I hated that job from a carnal standpoint. I'll just be really honest. When you work 70-something hours the week of Christmas and life has just rung out and you go, to, you go into work the day before, it gets sun, before the sun comes up and by the time you leave, the sun's long since gone down and you've not seen anybody but, but the people who've come and gone and had a sorry attitude because the Christmas gift they wanted to buy ain't there anymore. Woo! There was lots of reason to be frustrated and upset. Get an old lady cussing you out because you broke the thing she bought off the shelf because the only one you had and you dropped it on accident and it fell on the floor and went to And she starts, I mean, just this little old lady, man. She's about that tall. And, man, she called me names I had never heard before. It was two days before Christmas, and we were out of stuff, and she waited too long like Christmas surprised her this year. I thought, how many Christmas have you been around, lady? I had lots of reason to be upset and frustrated. But calling is this. Let's go, to the, let's go to the next one. Calling is this. God's personal invitation. Get that. God's personal invitation for me to work on his agenda using the talents I've been given in the ways that are eternally significant. No matter where you are, God has extended a personal invitation to you to take your skills and your talents and the things you've grown into and been educated about and use them in an eternally significant way. And that doesn't matter where you work or what you do. Maybe you're at home and, and, and you think, man, I don't, do, I don't even do anything outside the house. Maybe God's calling for you is to provide for your house in a very practical sense and man, be on your knees and pray and use that to the glory of God and see great things happen. That is not a low calling. That is a high calling. And God extends a personal invitation to you to do that. Listen to me. Worship is a lifestyle. We hang it there. It's there every week. Man, I want you to get that inside of you so bad that when you walk into this place, what we think of as worship just comes easy. It just happens. There's nothing, nothing, nothing to conjure up because we've been walking in the blessing of knowing we're with God and we're pleasing Him wherever we go and whatever we do. God has an invitation for each one of you to get involved in His business right where you are. Maybe some of you are in a transitional state of life and you're, you're seeking out new education, trying to do something else. That's fine, too. I, and I'm not where I was 13 or 14 or 15 years ago. But that time for my life, that was God's calling for me at that time. And promotion in the kingdom is given always on the basis of faithfulness. Always, always, always. So you find yourself being faithful where you are, even if it's not ideal for you, even if it's not everything you wanted to do and dreamed of as a little kid being and things of like that, even if that, you be faithful where you are and let God take care of the rest. We just sang a song a minute ago, it's all about you, Jesus, where your work life should be all about him too. It's all about him anyway. Calling, your calling is serving God's purpose. Your calling is recognizing that life's not all about you. He has something to accomplish, and he gives you the blessing and the privilege to fulfill it. And if you're living with breath in your lungs, today you still have purpose. Because it's not said of you what was said of King David. After he had done the will of God, he rested with his fathers. Acts 13, 36. Calling is serving God's purpose. And before we go any further, I want to remind you of a couple things just to keep your eyes focused. God does have a big plan. 
God has a plan that reaches from before time started and it will reach after time has ended. He has a plan for every person, every life, every situation, every, every child, every adult, every grandparent, every, everybody in between. He's got a plan and a purpose and he's trying to find a way to sneak you into doing his big plan. We can't see the whole thing that one scripture said in Ecclesiastes. We can't see the whole work of God all at once, but we can walk in the blessing of knowing that God is with us and he will walk us, put, fit us into that piece of our piece of the puzzle right where we belong. God has a big plan. Number two, God uh, has a spot for each of us to help him fulfill this plan. You have a specific need to, to, to be used. God has a specific need that needs to be addressed. He will take you and put you right in there. How many of you have, 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 have been able to minister to people just because of the mere fact of the place you enter the door of every day? How many times would you have been dis- disabled from doing that had you quit or walked out or stuff like that? You know what? I've done that too. I can remember, man, I blew it one time. I was a senior in high school, worked at this place for three years. About March of my senior year, we lived in Florida at the time. March of my senior year, my dad finds a new job back in Ohio. He moves back here. My mom, my sister, and I lived in Florida by ourselves, so I graduate from school so we could finish school, and we moved back here. When we knew that was all going on, I went to my boss, and I said, listen, I'm, I'm going to be leaving. Graduation is the last part of May, beginning of June, so like the middle part of May, I'm going to be done. I'm not going to be working anymore. And so I just want you to know that. That was in March. He said, okay. Oh, about the end of April, 1st of May, I had a real... Bad series of work days. I got anxious and frustrated and angry. Trying to live for Jesus all the same. By the time I was a senior, I pretty much got my life straightened out, which is amazing because it was a wreck. It was a wreck my freshman and my sophomore year. It was just, oh, it was laid up. It was bad. But halfway through my junior, junior year, I started figuring out life was, there was other things I needed to be concerned about than just stuff that was going around me. And one afternoon, one Saturday afternoon, I had just had all I could stand. I just had it. I was through. And I got my eyes off the prize. I got my eyes on my circumstances. And a guy came in to relieve me from work. And I said, oh, by the way, tell Russ I will not be back. And I walked out. And I never went back into place. About two and a half years later, I'm praying before the Lord. And he said, Aaron, you goofed up. Okay, Lord, I'm a thousand miles away now. What in the world do I do about that? I'm not even sure my boss is still there. I wouldn't know where to find him if he's not. What are you, you know? I felt like Lord encouraged me. Just write a letter. Just write a letter. I wrote a letter sent to the place. About a week and a half later, I got a letter back. I knew something must have gone, Aaron, because that was just unlike you. I want you to know I forgive you. I've gotten on with life, and things are okay. And this is much more the Aaron I remember in this letter than the one who walked out on you. And I went, wow. There is grace and forgiveness, yeah? So maybe you're in a place right now where you've really messed up in a work environment or something, did something really stupid or something. There's grace for that. God will still cover you in that. He'll give you a chance to make it right, maybe. I don't know. 
you know, I, I think um, we've we, we got to realize that, that God intends to use us greatly. We find His purpose by carrying out our calling. We find the purpose by carrying out the calling. The calling is His personal invitation to use our gifts and talents for eternally significant things in the scope of time that we live in right now. Here's, how, here's, how, here, here's what you know. Calling is about this. I know that I, what I'm doing is what God wants me to do. One of the most frustrating things in life can be not waking up each morning not sure you're doing what God wants you to do. You can wake up and, and not feel like your life is significant because you're not sure, you're not confident, you're not, you're not absolutely positive that you are where you are because God wants you there. Secondly, my calling and his purpose are inextricably linked. We have to realize that when it comes to purpose. My calling that's personal to me, that personal invitation, is inextricably linked to God's grand scheme, God's grand purpose, God's big idea. Those two things are inseparable if I'm going to follow him. And Romans 8.28 says this. You guys probably all know this. We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Everything about your work life can work out if you recognize that you are, that if you make God the love and the passion of your life and you recognize you are the called, you are where you are because he wants you there according to his purpose. Second, thirdly, calling is work specific. My work fits into God's big picture and it enables me to fulfill my calling. Dave Ramsey says this, he spends, he, in Financial Peace University, which starts two weeks from, well, a week from this coming Wednesday, some of you missed it already, maybe we can get you in, I don't know. But he says that he spends 13 weeks trying to teach you how to take care of your finances. He spends one week not talking about your, all this about outgo, you know what I mean? How you spend your money once you get it. He spends one lesson talking about what, how you get your income. And he says this, most of you are frustrated and unsatisfied because you're doing something you hate. If you will find, find yourself doing something that you love and that you are called to, you will wake up in the morning and you will be successful because you are passionate about what you do. You are passionate about where life is. And part of that is understanding that God has you where he wants you. Maybe some of you are in a place where you need to make that transition because life, you, you, you feel like you're not, your skills aren't being used right, you're not wired right. Begin to pray that God will put you in a place where you can utilize what you've been given well and find yourself loving what God's called you to do and what he's called you to be. Next, calling fits my unique gift. Psalm 139, 13 says, Oh, yes, you shape me first inside, then out. You form me in my mother's womb. I thank you, high God. You're breathtaking. Body and soul, I am marvelously made. Those are these words, I worship in adoration. What a creation. You know me inside and out. You know every bone in my body. You know exactly how I was made, bit by bit, how I was sculpted from nothing into something. Like an open book, you watch me grow from conception to birth. All the stages of my life were spread out before you. The days of my life all prepared before I'd even lived one day. Listen, if God will take that kind of time and energy to form and fashion you, he's not going to just do that for no good reason. 
He's going to give you a gift and talents and equipment to be something significant so you can do something significant. He's doing that. He's formed and fashioned every one of you. What Latanya said as we ended worship, if you're here today and you don't know Christ and you're trying to figure out what it's all life, what life's all about, it starts by acknowledging him and coming to him and making him a part of your life that he will help you unveil and uncover the gifts, the callings, the, the purpose that you exist. He will do that. But you've got to start there. He is not just a part of life. One place in Scripture he said, I am the life. I am the way and I am the truth. And so if you're going to figure out what your work life, everything is all about, you've got to come to him and through him to get that. I'm clanging. And... I've heard Patrick talk before about a passage of Scripture in 1 Chronicles 16, 29. In there it says this, that we should worship God in the beauty of holiness. One rendering of that verse means to worship God in the fulfillment of my purpose, in the fulfillment of my calling. Worshiping God is carrying out the purpose and the calling he's giving you. It's significant. Where you work, what you do is significant. So how does calling happen? I'm going to give you some ideas. Sometimes, this is probably the most dramatic, sometimes calling happens because God calls you by name. Several places in Scripture that happened. Think of Abraham. Think of Moses. Think of Gideon. Think of those guys. Think of Samuel. Voices in the night. Burning bush calling. But you know what? That's you. I would say this, as far as our experience is concerned, most of the time, though, that is not how it happens. It'd be great. Wouldn't you guys love to say, when, you, when you're submitting a resume or something, you walk in the building and God says, Hey, Paul, this is it, brother. You hear that voice like, hey, all right. But calling happens several other ways. And if you've had that experience, man, chase it. Chase it. Don't talk yourself out of it. If God's spoken to you and you know you've heard his voice and he said, this is what I want you to do, get on about it and chase it. Abraham did that. Moses did that. It wasn't without difficulty. It wasn't without trial. It wasn't without tribulation. Gideon put out a fleece three or four, ten or twelve times making sure he was right. Remember? He just kept going back. Okay, God, well, let's, 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 let's really be sure. And Samuel, that voice kept beckoning in the night. Samuel, Samuel. Finally, the third time, Samuel realized it was the voice of God. He goes, hey, here I am. And God said, Samuel, I want you to be a prophet. Go after it, buddy. You're just a young fella. Just a young man. But sometimes, a lot of times, happen, calling happens because there's a desire in our heart. Think of Nehemiah. He hears no voice. He, he, he hears no thunder from heaven. He hears nothing except a report that came back from the people of Jerusalem that said the place was torn down, and on the inside a desire was conjured up to do something significant. And he said, God, I, I have got to do something I have got to, 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 to make a change. I've got to make something different. I've got to play my role. I've got to play my Heard no voice, heard no angelic choir, heard nothing, just had something brewing on the inside. Think of Isaiah. Isaiah has a, a, a magnificent, has a magnificent vision, but God never calls his name. And he sees something great, and he hears a voice of God asking a question, and he volunteers. Here am I, God. Send me. 
Maybe someplace right now there's something going on in your life where you see a need, you see something that needs to be handled, and inside of you there's something turning and growing, going, you gotta do something about that. You gotta make a change there. You gotta do, and all of a sudden you can feel that. Have you ever volunteered for something and not realized why? All of a sudden you see your hand in there and you go, but it's something going on on the inside of you. Some of you right now, you know that there's something that you've seen. You're like, I want to do that. Oh, if I could do that, that would be so great. I would love to. Oh, my goodness. Now, I want to say this. When you carry out that calling, don't expect this to be peachy, king, and rosy. It's going to be difficult. It's not going to be easy because Satan would like nothing more than to keep you from fulfilling what God's called you to do. And so he's not going to give you a free pass. You have an enemy who would like to mess you up and take you out and keep you from the fulfillment of your calling and your purpose. Another way God calls us is this. He, he, he places um, a direction in our path. Think of Daniel. This dude had no choice. He is thrown into exile. He makes no decisions on his own. He does nothing to get there, and suddenly he finds he's right in the middle of all the big happenings that are going on. Boom, he's just there. Think of, think of Josiah. He's born into his calling. Boom, he's king and he's eight years old. He's running the nation. Wow. Had no choice and was a great godly king, man. Fulfilling his calling and his role. Age doesn't have anything to do with it, people. Age doesn't have anything to do with it. Young, old, Abraham, you know how old he was? Fulfilling your purpose and calling has nothing to do with what age you are. Has everything to do with the passion and the intent of your heart and the direction of God on your life. That's what matters. Think of this, number four. Think of, of, of how God de- designs an attractive option. Aren't you glad when God gives you choices? This guy named Elisha, he's just busy doing his thing, you know. Out there tending, plowing with the oxen. This other guy, Elijah, comes by. And he's pushing with the oxen. He's like... Dude, I'd like to do what he's doing. Hey, hey, hey. Can I? Maybe you've seen somebody fulfilling something, and suddenly you find yourself in a place where that option is completely possible, and you're like, I haven't really heard the voice of God. I don't really know if that's really what God wants for me, but, man, I'd sure like to. Man, that would be neat. I could, I'm willing just to jump ship and run and go. Let's go do that. You know what I'm saying? An attractive option. Think of Stephen. Stephen starts waiting on tables. And God says, you know, you can keep doing that if you want to, but, man, I think I could use you to go, you know, do some preaching and praying for folks and seeing people get healed and stuff. Would you like to be on that? And he's like, well, hey, uh, that, 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 that sounds like a pretty good deal. I want to read you a story. That's all spirit. That all sounds like really spiritual stuff. We're talking about prophets and all that kind of thing. Abraham, the father of faith and all that thing. I want to read you something I, I, found, on, I found of all places, ESPN.com. Anybody ever heard of a guy named Brad Butler? He's a four-year NFL player. Starter. Right tackle for the Buffalo Bills. He announced his retirement, this is like two weeks ago, three weeks ago, retiring on Thursday. The news comes as a surprise to the Bills after the 26-year-old Butler completed his fourth NFL season. Butler majored in government studies at Virginia and spent the 2008 offseason interning at Kemp Partners in Washington, D.C. with former and late Bills quarterback, Congressman Jack Kemp. My pat, listen to these words, he's getting paid millions of dollars. He starts as a right tackle for the Buffalo Bills. He's a starter. 
He's not making chump change. Okay? If they would pay me what they pay those guys to sit on the bench, dude. <laughs> this guy's making that, and he goes like this. My passion for education, my country, and community is something that I'm ready to devote my full attention to. Wow. That is understanding your calling. When you, like Elisha, can drop what you're doing, as lucrative as it might be, and go chase something that there are, there are no guarantees, no, no, no incentives, things of that nature, no promise of the future, and just go do that. Oh, my goodness. I believe the best way to pursue these spheres of interest is to step away from the game of football at this point in my life. The dude is 26 years old. He's probably got five really good seasons left in him. Wow. I was watching something the other day, but I'm, I need to get going. The other day, I, on Discovery Channel, they had, they had two like documentaries back-to-back. I don't know if you guys saw them. One about the moon landing. Anybody see that? One about the moon landing and one about when they went up to repair the, sp- the, the, the Hubble Space tel- Telescope. They sent you know, up there. And the major thing about it was these guys in the moon landing and in the Hubble Space Telescope, e- both of them were equally dangerous because of the extent they had to go to do what they had to do. And without fail, all of them said this, it's something that I have to do. I'm not doing this just because I'm getting paid. It's something that burns on the inside of me. I'm willing to risk life and limb to go there and do that. It will better my country. It will help us fulfill our goal and our commission. And they, 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 were, they, they sat and talked to wives who had no guarantee their husbands were coming home. One guy who, who was one of the technicians repairing the, the Hubble Space Telescope, he said this. He said, listen, I, I'm not doing this because my government's asked me to. I'm doing this because I love it. Find what God has called you to do and do it with all of your heart. Find what that is. Discover it. Figure it out. And then you will not be doing something because you're getting a paycheck. Matter of fact, at that point, the paycheck may become insignificant. Maybe just a fringe benefit of what you get because you get to do what you love. Awesome, huh? So what do you do in the meantime? What do you do? What, what, what do you do now? What if what if you're kind of in limbo? I'll give you some 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 points. If you're in that place where you're discouraged about your workplace, if you're discouraged about where life is headed, where things are going on, this this number one, this this first point's for you. Come to God in brokenness. Come with passion. Passion to understand his will and understand his desire and, under, and to hear his voice. I can't tell you what every, everything each of you are called to do. If you are dissatisfied, and if you are disenchanted, and if you are frustrated, God has better for you. Maybe the better for you is just for you to reassess where you are, recognize where you are is eternally a significant place. Maybe you're in a place where God wants to transition you from where you are to where he really wants you to be. Maybe you've, suffered, maybe you've settled for second best from God, in your work environment, in, in, in your goal, and your calling, and your purpose. Maybe God's putting you in a place of frustration and anger and allowed you to be there so that he, he can move you to a new, into a new, a new realm, into a new place. But the remedy for both of those situations is, is the same. Come to him in brokenness. 
Come with a passion to, to hear him and to know what he's saying and to know that he loves you. He's got good plans for you. Jeremiah 29, 11 says this. He knows the plans that he has for you, plans to prosper you, plans for good and not for evil. And plans, one translation says, to bring you to an expected end. He does have a destiny for every one of us. And he says, you'll find me in the middle of that when you seek for me with all of your heart. Number two, you need to pray, think, and talk your way through the four, the four ways calling happens. Where am I in that equation? Maybe you should sit down with, a, with your spouse this afternoon. Is God, has God placed me here for a purpose? Have I heard his voice? Has he directed my path? Is there something burning on the inside of me that he wants to accomplish? Sit down and assess and inventory where you are in that equation. Is there an option offered to me that's kind of an option? It's a choice. It's pretty cool when God gives you options. You can stay where you are, but hey, what do you think about doing this? Either way, you're okay, but you know, have, have, have that. Well, that'd be pretty cool. God wasn't beating Elisha's door down to get him to do something. He just kind of offered him, hey, you want to follow Elijah? That's great. Go for it. You see what I mean? And finally, not finally, third, distinguish between the kind of work you do. I love this. Distinguish between the work you do and the actual job you have. Your, your, your work description might be you operate a press all day. But your job, your real job, is to bring glory to the name of Jesus, to extend the gospel, and to be an extension of his kingdom in the earth. That is your job. Distinguish between the work you have and the job, what was it? Distinguish between the work, the work you do and the actual job that you have. And number four. Be patient. And that's a toughie. That's not fun. Stand with me if you would. I'd like leaders to come. If you are here this morning and you are frustrated about life, you are frustrated about work, you're trying to figure out who you are and where you're going, and man, maybe life is meaningless, maybe you don't know Christ, maybe you, you're looking for fulfillment and satisfaction, maybe something's really, really frustrating you about, about, about work, about vocation, maybe you feel lost, maybe you feel confused, maybe you're like, dude, I have no idea about any of that. Jesus would like for you to come to him to seek out those answers. In fact, the scriptures say, if we ask of him, if we ask of him, It will be given to us. If we seek of him, we will find. And if we knock on doors, the doors he wants will be opened unto us. We've got to find it in him. Close your eyes for a minute. If right now you're saying, Father, I am frustrated with my life because I just feel purposeless. I feel like, man, my job's going no place. I feel like I don't know what to do. I feel like, man, I'm frustrated. I feel like oh, things are missed. Just nobody's looking around. Just raise your hand. I don't know what my calling is. Okay, you guys who raised your hands, don't let this moment pass you by. The Bible says the place of agreement is the place of power. The place the place of, of, of coming together on issues is the place where God meets us. 
If you're serious about that discontentment, that dissatisfaction, that frustration, that, that, that confusion, if you're serious about getting it dealt with, I want to encourage you right here, right now. It's not too late, no matter what age, what thing you are, psh, come get it dealt with. If you're here today and you say, I don't know Jesus, I want to know Christ. I want to walk with him. I want him to change my life and my perspective and my outlook. Some of you may need to come forward today. You know why? Because you're negative. Because you've got the wrong idea about your work environment. You've contributed to it because you've entered into the, the criticalness and the gossip around the work, around, around the place. And you're thinking, dude, even, even the thought of going into work tomorrow, you're like, dude, I don't even want to go in there because it's dark, it's nasty. And today, God wants you to repent of that and, and, and stop looking at it from an earthly perspective and start looking at it from a, from a godly perspective, from a heavenly perspective. And if that's you, you need to get up here and pray. If you respond, if you hear that call anywhere on the inside of you that I just responded, I'm going to encourage you to come up here and get prayer right now with one of these leaders. Don't stop. Don't wait. I'm not going to hang around here a long time. If you raise your hand, be honest with yourself. You're already worth honest with God. Get up here and let somebody pray with you. Once, taking the challenge. Where's the other of you at that raised your hand? It's not too late for you. God has a purpose and a calling. Let somebody pray with you. Don't wait. Come on. Come on. I pray all of you will find fulfillment in what God's called you to do and what he's called you to be. You know, it's important to be what God's called you to be rather than do what God's called you to do. Once you start being, we'll talk about that in character. Todd and Svetter over here, somebody needs to pray with someone. Well, you go that way, I guess. Father, as these come, God, there are others of us, God, who, who, who need your grace and your power. Lord, we pray for these right now. They'd find your purpose. They'd find your life. They'd find, God, your calling for their lives. I pray, Jesus, these, these things we've talked about today, God, will penetrate their soul. I pray even tonight as they lay in their bed, instead of worrying about how things are going to go, suddenly, God, calling will be being conjured up in their minds, in their hearts, God, on their pillows, Jesus, that, God, thoughts and passion and excitement and enthusiasm will overtake negativism and darkness and gloom and despair. God, I pray for those who are still sitting out in the congregation who are frustrated but, but just aren't willing to admit it, God. Those who are, who are confused, who, who feel like there's just no light in the tunnel, Lord, I pray that, God, you would, you would implant in them a desire to figure out what you're saying, where you're calling, and what you're doing, Jesus. God, I pray for those who don't yet know you, that, God, your spirit will call out of them and remind them you have purpose, that, God, they are precious in your sight, that, Jesus, you have something significant to do in their life and through their life, God, and that, Jesus, you love them with, with with all the passion, God, uh, uh, Lord God, that resides in you. You, not are, you don't just have love, Lord. You are love. The epitome and the essence of love resides in you, Lord. God, I pray, Jesus, there would be a response of our hearts, God, towards you, a work of your spirit inside us, and that, God, we would find that you are true and faithful. And, God, always be like we say right here all the time, you are good. God, I bless you, and I thank you, and I honor you, Jesus, for doing that. You're great. And you're amazing, Lord. Be exalted and be lifted high. We love you, Jesus. It's in your great name that we pray.